Acts chapter 10. Man, a chapter that, that just marks a defining moment of the church. This is an exciting chapter. It's historical, but what happened really is that there was a struggling Jesus movement at this point that took a brand new direction from this small sect of Judaism that at the time they called the way, birthed into its own entity and the primary vehicle through which God would work, not only in the rest of Acts not only through the early centuries, but up to the 21st century of today. And I believe today as we look into Acts chapter 10, it'll challenge us to move beyond our small-minded, limited thinking. You see, the apostles in many ways were pretty small-minded. They felt God was going to work in a certain way. And I can identify with that. I look back and I think, okay, this is how I've seen God work in the past. So that's a good indication of how he's going to work in the future. Not necessarily. We tend to live our faith within the context of either our understanding or our experience. But today, from Acts 10, I want to challenge all of us that we need life without borders. Life without borders. You know, the disciples lived in really difficult times. There was Roman oppression. There was persecution. People were being martyred for their faith. And during that time, they found a way to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit to move beyond what they were experiencing outwardly and allow this gospel of Jesus Christ to transform them and transform anyone. For the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes, whosoever, whether they're Hindu, whether they're female, whether they're a slave, whether they're a landowner, whether they're white or black, whether they're Chinese or Canadian, it doesn't matter. Whosoever believes shall experience the transformation that God has for us in a relationship with Jesus. And just as the apostles lived in a difficult time, we also live in a difficult time. Not to the degree that they did, but it's it's a challenging time for us to live, particularly in America. And we need to ask ourselves, man, how can we live our life without borders? How can we as individuals, how can we as a church, Wenatchee First Assembly, how can we as a denomination, the Assemblies of God, how can we as the Church of Jesus Christ, anyone who sees Jesus as the Savior of the world, is part of the church, our brothers and sisters. How can we make a dent in the world that we live in the way that the disciples made a dent in the world they lived in? So we're going to talk today about developing a life without borders, a new mentality of ministry. And we're going to read about how Peter particularly, but the other apostles too, found out that you can't keep God in a box. Let's look at Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 34. 
And we'll read to the end of the chapter. The whole chapter is great. It says, after this, Peter began to speak and he said, now, now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. But he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, and how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. They knew all that. Now he says in verse 39, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they killed him by hanging him on a cross. God raised him from the dead on the third day. Can you say amen? We serve a living God and caused him to be seen. And he was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge for the living and dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let's pause for a moment. I want you to understand the simplicity of the gospel. It says, everyone who believes in Jesus. It doesn't say everyone who worships like us, who worships on the same day, who uses the same style of ministry, that has the same doctrine or dogma. It says, everyone who believes in Jesus will receive forgiveness of sins through his name. And we need to have a mentality of living our life without borders. This gospel is not just for white men in America. This gospel is for anyone who believes. Now, while Peter was still speaking these very words that I read to you, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished, amazed, perplexed, confused, why? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on even the Gentiles. you got to be kidding. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. They knew they were filled with the Spirit because they heard them speaking in this new prayer language. And then Peter said, wow, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them a few more days. What a tremendous story. Let me give you a little of the, the background of the story. Many of you know it. Maybe you can even kind of read through chapter 10 here briefly as I explain this and kind of pick up on that backstory. Peter was on a roof of a house and he was praying and he had this vision and in that vision this this big sheet or piece of cloth comes down from heaven and it contains all these four-footed animals 
and these reptiles and these birds. And these were animals that were forbidden in his life, in his faith, in his diet. And a voice spoke to Peter and said, Peter, kill and eat. And he's looking at all these forbidden things because he's thinking in the box of his experience, the box of his understanding. And Peter said, absolutely not. Nope. I've never eaten a piece of bacon in my life, and I'm not going to start now. I've never eaten anything unclean. And the voice said to him, don't call anything unpure that God has made clean. I think in our lives, friends, maybe God is going to speak into our hearts that very same message. Don't call unclean or unpure those people you don't understand. Those people that don't fit into your theological box. Don't call anything impure that God loves and gave his only son for. Now that was an amazing experience And it didn't just happen one time. The Bible says it happened three times. And then there's a a knock on the door. So Peter's on the roof. He comes down and there's three men and they invite Peter to visit the home of a Gentile. Not a Jewish rabbi. Not some of the, you know, Pharisees or those that were on the church board. They said, let's go visit this guy by the name of Cornelius, who is a Gentile. Because Cornelius has expressed some interest in the Messiah. Now, for a multitude of reasons, I don't understand them all, but I I do know there was a lot of reasons. Jews were not allowed in the home of a Gentile. Again, borders, boxes, mentalities that sometimes we even have. They were considered unclean. And they weren't allowed to eat with him. And Peter realized, of course, oh man, there's a correlation here. This vision I just had and the invitation I just received, you know, he connected the dots there. So he said, I'm going to go and I'm going to visit Cornelius. And when he got there, he told Cornelius about how to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And at that moment... Acts tells us the Holy Spirit filled Cornelius, filled all his Gentile friends. They begin speaking in tongues. They begin to praise God. And Peter said, these men have received the Holy Spirit, just like we did. And they're not even Jewish. We're not even supposed to be here. Now, it seems like a simple conversion story to us today, uh, but it's really much more. In the next chapter, Acts 11, guess what? Peter got called to the office. Yep, somebody had a come to Jesus meeting with Peter. He had to answer to even his peers, not just his superiors. He had to answer to his peers for his actions. Because he was way out of their box of understanding. He had done something so unorthodox. Going into the home of a Gentile. Eating 
with a Gentile, unclean food, and then allowing that Gentile to become part of this new movement of this Jewish Messiah called Jesus. And Peter didn't even require Cornelius to first become a Jew. Because of that day and age, there were people who said, oh yeah, Gentiles can accept Christ, but first, they got to be circumcised, they got to give up pork chops, they got to do this and that. They had to become a Jew culturally first. Peter had to answer for that. And it went all the way up to the church leadership, and the church leaders were concerned in some ways, but they looked at the facts of what God had done. And they concurred. And they said, wow, we, we don't understand, but this is what God is doing. We better get on board with it. And at that moment, friends, in Acts chapter 10, the Christian church becomes a church without borders. It becomes a ministry without limits. And in 2021, you and I need to have a new Acts 10 experience in our own lives and in our own church. Man, these apostles were now posed to fulfill the Great Commission, which is what? Therefore, and go make nations of all Jewish people. No. Go and make disciples of all. No. Make disciples of all, it says, of all nations. No limits. They were opposed to do what Acts 1.8 empowered them to do. You'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. That's what Jesus has in mind for us today. That's where we need to pick things up. So I want to talk to you for the rest of the time we have left about things that we can do to have a faith life without borders. I want you to consider three, three things here. If you picked up a program today or handed one, the outline is on the back of the program. If you're watching online, go to wfa.church online and all the notes there, everything is there for you as well. I want to talk about three different elements. The first is people. People. Just people in general. We tend to exclude people from our lives. God always includes people in his life. Now, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm speaking to myself just like everyone, everyone else. But we, we tend to look at ways to exclude people. Instead of looking for ways that God can bring us together. See, exclusion is nothing new. Racism is nothing new. Man, there was definitely racism involved in this first century mindset. There was also this cultural elitism. This is nothing new. The idea here, many first century Jews, is that they were better than the non-Jews. They believed a non-Jew was not just, in, you know, uh, inferior. They would actually say they're immoral, they're barbaric, they're uncouth. 
Maybe some of the ways that we look at races that we don't understand. The idea that Jews, by the virtue of their Jewishness, they believed they were favored of God. So it led to this mindset of exclusion, where other people were almost despised. In fact, I, I looked up an ancient prayer that I remember from years ago, and I'm glad I was able to find it. Devout Jewish man would actually pray this prayer. Now, this isn't, you know, intended to be humorous. This is really what they prayed. Blessed are you, O God, King of the universe, for not having made me a Gentile. Blessed are you, O God, King of the universe, for not having made me a slave. Blessed are you, O God, King of the universe, for not having made me a woman. That was their mindset. They believed as Jewish men, they were just a little bit better, a little bit more favored than everyone else. Our country has gone through that. We understand that. The Supreme Court, back in the 1800s, Supreme Court actually ruled black people are property. They have no rights as humans. Now, thank God that was reversed. In 1870, black people were given the right to vote. But, you know, my grandma couldn't vote. Why? Because she was a woman. It wasn't until 1920 that women were given the right to vote. So this whole idea that we're better than this class of people or this type of person, we, we've experienced in our country. It's not a, a Jewish problem. You'll find people today that'll say, well, America is favored among all other nations. Why do we want to exclude instead of include? Amen. It's just the way we are. It's always been that way. Every tribe, every race, every nation has looked for ways to be the special group. And it not only happens against racial lines, you'll see it in races themselves. Just, it's been three and a half years now. It'll be four years in January. I was teaching at the Caribbean School of Theology in uh, Provo, which is the capital of Turks and Caicos, an island in the Caribbean. Had a, a man in my uh, congregation who was a C, or not congregation, in a class, uh, who was a CPA, uh, very well known on that island. Uh, his name is Drexwell Seymour. Wonderful brother. And as I got to know Drexel, he said, you know, I've always had this self-esteem problem because I was always picked on because of the color of my skin. Well, friends, I was the palest one in the room, believe me. And I looked around at all these dark-skinned people, and I said, Drexel, I'm sorry, I'm from America, and I just don't understand where you're coming from. He said, you don't understand, I'm from South Caicos. I'm not from this island. I'm from South Caicos. Can't you see my skin is blacker than these people's skin? And he said, I was chastised for it. I was told I wasn't a real Turk because my skin was too dark. He shared with me a story one time that he took bleach and tried to make his skin lighter. Now, this isn't in America. This isn't an island in the Caribbean I'm talking about where everybody is darker than we are. 
Yet there was still that feeling. Again, every tribe, every race, every nation looks for ways to exclude and think that their group is special. But the message of the gospel, friends, the message of the cross, the goal of the church needs to be that we are not separated from humankind. But as Galatians 3.28 says, there is neither Jew or Greek, slave or free, Canadian or Mexican, male or female, CEO or housekeeper, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Some of you might remember the Dr. Seuss book uh, called Snitches or Sneetches. I'll, I'll show you a picture here in a minute. I think I used this illustration before. This is a funny-shaped yellow. Remember this guy? He's a funny-shaped yellow creature. Now, Sneetches, they were all yellow. But some of them thought they were better than other Sneetches, so they put a green star on them. So here, they're the special Sneetches because they have the green star in their belly. And they believe, well, we're better because we've got this green star. Well, in the, in the book, in the Dr. Seuss book, comes along this enterprising businessman. His name is Sylvester McMonkey McBean. And he thinks, if I could make a special machine, I could charge people who don't have a star to put a star on them, so then they would be special. So for $3, he would put a green star on you so you could become part of the special group. And you know what happened? Pretty soon all the sneetches had green stars. So nobody was special again. Well, leave it to our enterprising man, Sylvester McMucky McBean. He said, I'll invent a machine to take the green stars off. And then the people who don't have the green stars will be the special ones. You know, you read that story and you think, how foolish is that? But you know, we're not always able to spot our own foolishness when it comes to things like this. Even within the church, we continue to look for ways to consider ourselves superior to others. Maybe along denominational lines, or we're evangelical. Like that's some star to wear. What about those who believe that Jesus went to the cross and died for their sins? Who aren't evangelical. Hey, they're still part of the body of Christ. Maybe it's in the style of worship. Uh, We don't use smoke and candles. And we tend to think we're better because we have a different style of worship. Man, I've seen that across... The Christian community, I unfortunately have seen it in my own life sometimes. And I have to remember, no, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. One of the things we can absorb, friends, from Acts 10 is that while we're always looking for ways to exclude other people, God is always urging us to find ways to bring people together. One of my favorite quotes by John Wesley, you've heard it many times, though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike? May we not be of one heart, 
though we're not of one opinion, without all doubt we may. Herein all the children of God may unite, notwithstanding these smaller differences. Right now our society has us divided over all sorts of non-essential things. Friends, even though we might not think alike, even though we might not have the same opinion, can we not love alike? Can we not be of one heart, the heart of God? That's the way that we need to do church in the days ahead, friends. That's the way you and I need to do Christianity in the days ahead. So people, we tend to exclude, God includes. Let's talk about boxes for a minute. Boxes. We tend to uh, exclude and, and God tends to include. We're always looking to keep God in the box. Uh, God always insists on moving out of the box. One of my favorite Easter sermons I did probably 15 years ago was about how Jesus jumped out of the box. You know, they put him in a tomb. They thought they had him boxed. But he jumped out. Many first century Christians, man, they were as bad as we are. They could quote you chapter and verse. Man, you had to follow these Old Testament rules. You had to follow this diet. You had to follow the rituals. You had to follow the customs. And they could find a scripture to back it up, just like many of us do. Their attitude is, well, God said it, that settles it. The only problem is they were very selective in their use of scriptures. They conveniently overlooked all the text and the biblical principles that were available. You know, some of those Old Testament customs and precepts were bound in time. They were limited in scope. Many of the Old Testament laws we know before modern hygiene was even introduced. There were reasons for those things that no longer apply. Those things were a small part of a small picture. Let's not get focused on a small part of a small picture. Instead, let's look at God's big picture. He's a redemptive God. He's a God of restoration. He wants all to come to repentance. All. I love the way King David said it. Psalm 40, verse 6. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. It's not that we're Americans. It's not that we're Protestant. It's not that we're Pentecostal. It's not in sacrifice and offering and all that. God has no delight. But you've given me an open ear. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not required. See, David was giving us an insight into a bigger picture about what a relationship with God was all about. Now, friends, God reveals himself in Scripture. But I want you to understand something really important. And I want you to listen to this because I don't want to be misunderstood. Uh, God reveals himself in Scripture but Scripture does not tell us everything there is to know about God. Don't ever think that everything there is to know about God is contained here. Because that's not true. You can't confine God to a box. You can't confine him to a book. 
It's impossible for any of us to know everything there is to know about God. And we're, we're guilty sometimes of trying to define God according to our own doctrine, according to our own interpretation of the scriptures, according to the list and the, the attributes that we have. Nothing wrong with those things, but we just have to be careful to realize God lives outside of our box. God heals sometimes differently than we want him to heal or hope he'll heal. God answers our prayers sometimes in ways that are out of the box of what our expectations might be. And we can say with great authority, God does this and God does that. But we should never say, God will never do this or God will never do that. The problem is when you put God in a box, when I put God in a box, pretty soon you find yourself left with an empty box. What would happen if Peter refused to recognize what God had done in the home of Cornelius? That didn't fit into his box. Gentile, eating unclean food, baptism of the Holy Spirit for those who were non-Jewish, that did not fit into the box that Peter had. I pray that I will be as flexible as Peter and say, God, if that's what you're doing, that's what I want to be involved with. Even if it doesn't fit into my box. Because God will move outside of our box of expectations. We can't anticipate what God has planned to do. We have limited understanding. Even a day when God moves outside of our box of understanding, he moves in a way that stretches us but it also enriches us it gives us an opportunity to make a, a fresh new look at his word at ourselves if God never moved outside of our box we would tend to think God always fit into our box but as we know Isaiah declares my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways we've talked about people we've talked about boxes final thing I want to talk about this morning are our plans, plans, plans for the rest of the year, plans for 2022, plans for the next decade. We as people tend to ask God to bless our plans. We make our plans and we say, God, would you bless these? And really what God wants is to invite us into what he is planning to do. And there's a difference there. While we're looking for a way to get God on board with our plans, God is inviting us to get on board with his plans. But sometimes it's outside that box, and sometimes it involves people that we would rather exclude from our life. See, God had a plan for the church. God has a plan for the church. And there might have been some in the early days whose attitude is now... You know, this is a good thing. We found the Messiah. Let's just keep this among ourselves. Us for no more attitude. And we love our Jewish customs. Let's just maintain our ties to Judaism. And let's ask God to bless our group. Well, let's not try to take it any farther. That could have been their mentality. But God said, no, that's not my plan. I have a whole different plan. 
I sent Jesus to die for all the world. My plan is the church will carry the message of the gospel throughout the world. Crossing all boundaries, racial, economic, language, so that all can experience this new life that most of us have found in Christ. And after the events of today's story in Acts 10 took place, you know, the Gentile household, they were saved, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, they were baptized in water. The leaders of the church faced a tough choice right then. And sometimes we don't think about what goes on between the lines or between the verses. But the leaders had to either get on board with what God was doing or resist what God was doing and try to contain him into their plans. And praise God, they made the right choice. The church leaders made the right choice and said, well, if this is what God is doing, this is what we want to be involved with. And every one of us as individuals and as a local church, we have and we will continue to face similar choices. And in your life, you might say, well, this isn't the way I got, wanted God to work in this situation. And God's over here saying, it's okay. I'm working in your life. Trust me, believe me, come over here. He invites us into his plans. And sometimes we have to let go of our plans. Are you asking God to get on board with your plans? Are we as a church, is that what we're doing? Are we asking God to get on board with our plans? Or are we really seeking to know his will and to hear from him and be willing to say, we are going to move with the Holy Spirit? That's one of the reasons, friends, that I, I feel so uh, strongly about our Tuesday morning prayer meeting. And thank you for you that came last week. If you're able to join us, seven to eight Tuesday mornings. Because I think now we're, <laughs> because of COVID, because of all the stuff that's happened, this is a wonderful opportunity. We don't have to go back and do things the way that they were pre-COVID. We can say, Lord, if that's what you want us to do, we will. But we come to you with open hands and an open slate. What do you want? What is your plan? I want to be on board. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. Because I like to make plans and, and I like God to sign up for what I'm going to do, you know. But sometimes I find myself out there all by myself. Say, well, Lord, where are you? Can't you keep up to me, Lord? You know, we're doing great things for the kingdom. And then I hear his voice say, no, Jerry, I'm over here. I, I'm a completely different path right now. Would you like to join me? <laughs> and I think all of us have that tendency. We make plans. We ask God to bless this little bitty thing that we want to do. And meanwhile, he's saying, you know, if you only knew, I have so much more. It's not just the salvation of the Jews. It's the salvation of the Gentiles. <laughs> Isaiah 43 says, see, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. It's one thing, friends, we can be sure of. The plans that we make for ourselves 
are never any match for the plans that God has for us as individuals and as a church. And that's why I want to end with this scripture that I love so much. It's Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Peter had no clue what God was about to do. Many of you had no clue what God was going to do in your life. He's able to do more than we can ask, more than we can imagine. And it's not according to our plans, it's according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As the worship team comes back, I want to just read a little synopsis that I wrote of these three points, and then I want us to pray. God is calling us to live a life without borders. No borders in love, No borders in faith, no borders in obedience. There's no limit to how far we will go in terms of love, faith, and obedience in order to reach others for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can look back at what you did for the early disciples the way that you prepared Peter for something that was far beyond his imagination. Thank you that Peter, in this case, was a really good example for us. Because he said, Lord, it doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to follow your plan. Thank you that this passage of Scripture reminds us we are not favored of God any more than any of the seven billion people that live on this planet. For all have sinned, all have come short of the glory of God, and all are invited into salvation through faith in Jesus. Lord, I pray for each person who's here today, each person who's watching online. I pray for us as a church that we will live a life without borders, that we will not exclude those that we're not comfortable around. We don't understand. Their values are different. Help us, Lord, not to put you in a box and praise you when you jump the way we want you to jump. And and Lord, most of all, just help us to have that heart attitude of Jesus. It's not about our plan. It's about your plan. Not our will be done, but your will we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.